Hey there, this is Pastor John Ware, lead pastor of Lifehouse Newport News, a church that exists to help all people experience life change through Christ. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. We hope it inspires you and gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. Now let's get to today's episode. But no, I, I really just want to have a little bit of a conversation today. Uh, Pastor John, we're starting this new series today, and he asked me to kick off the It's All Part of the Plan series. And so I want to read you uh, Romans 8.28. I'm going to read you this scripture. It says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who, uh, God, uh, to those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Now, how many of you have, can say 100% in your life, anytime something goes bad, you're thinking automatically, this is for the good of God, and I'm just going to love it and live it and do my best and plan it. Don't raise your hands. Don't raise your hands. You know that ain't true. None of us truly feel when you're a grandparent and you've had your first grandkid, and you just get a cancer diagnosis that, oh, praise you, Lord, thank you. This is called according to your purpose, right? None of us feel that when we get a call that our teenager has been in a car accident, we don't know the severity, Lord, this is for your good, and we're called according to your purpose, right? See, what happens, I think, a lot of times for us, we shift our thinking to think, well, if it's for God's good, then he caused it. That's not the way that it works. Uh, what, the, what the Bible is telling us is that if you love God, he's undefeated. That's a good record. The only person on the planet that understands that is Patriots fans. The rest of us, we don't get it, right? The Redskins have a lot of O's, but it's on the wrong side of the column. My, my point is, if you're a Patriots fan, don't scream. Uh, we get them every service. Don't scream. You don't understand. You could be 90 and never see another Super Bowl, and you still have nothing to complain about, right? But the reality is, a lot of us live our lives like we'll never win. And so when the Bible says, this is going to happen, and it's called according to my purpose, I think a lot of us, we think, well, God must have caused it if it's according to his purpose, but that's not what Scripture is saying. What the Scripture is saying is that if you are called by my name, you'll humble yourselves, turn from your wicked ways, let me see you in a broken place, let me see you in a humble place, let me see you in a teachable place, and you will remain undefeated because I'm the God of victory. I'm the God who never loses. I'm the God who never will lose. I'm the God who has a perfect record because I'm a perfect God. I take care of people that are imperfect, but I know what I'm doing, so hold on, hang tight, and look. Look, look forward, square your shoulders up, because I got something good. You know what I'm saying? Come on, somebody. He's saying it. I, it doesn't matter what you're going. My point is this. There's not a person in this room that doesn't have something in the closet. Now, I'm not trying to say y'all are a bunch of crazies. What I'm trying to say is we all have junk, right? We all got trash. All of us have been through some type of trauma in our life. All of us have been through a childhood we don't, wish we hadn't been through. All of us have done something to our children maybe wish we didn't. All of us have had bad marriages. Well, that's not true. All of us have had uh, bad things in our life that are equivalent to the pain of a bad marriage, you know? Uh, my point is this. Trauma is trauma. Hurt is hurt. Pain is pain. I think the best thing we can do is realize we've all got it. Not, uh, and you say, well, some people are a little closer to Jesus than others. No, I think some people think they're closer to Jesus, while I think other people are closer to Jesus. And I think there's some of us who are trying to figure it out. And I think that the reality is it's okay to be close to Jesus, but my, my only pullback is make sure that you're not living your life to constantly tell people about Jesus, and he stopped working in yours. You know, make sure that we're constantly letting him do something in us that only he can do. Y'all with me? Y'all with me? Okay. I know it's going to get quiet. Listen, when y'all shout me down, I know you're with me, but when you get super quiet, I know that's when I got you. That's when y'all are locked in. That's when the ball is on the tee. You just got to kick it, right? So I'm going to read a scripture to you out of Philippians. I love this passage of scripture, but this is a little heavy. Uh, Pastor John asked me today to share my story. He said, share as much as you're comfortable with. And so I'm going to share the story of the last five years of what it's been like to plant a church and to pastor it uh, with you and a little bit of my background and kind of what everything came to fruition. 
when we started the church, people can look at the church and say, man, it's two locations. We're getting ready to start our third, and we're getting ready to move venues for our broadcast location. Oh, it must be amazing. It's like, nah, it's not really the way it works, you know? It's not really the way that it works. It's kind of like your life. You might have gotten a raise, and everything looks better, but yet you're more broken than ever. That's kind of the way it was when I started the church. And so I want to share that with you because in the midst of my vulnerability, God still used me to do something great. But it, as I became more broken, he became more pronounced and people's lives became more changed, you know. And so like, there's this paradigm that I really want to encourage you with today, um, you know, and kind of just press in and, and lean into this. But Philippians is an interesting passage because Paul is, is this amazing apostle, ministry uh, partner. He's this guy planting all these churches. And the church in Philippi, this place in Greece, they're kind of concerned because they're afraid that people are bashing Paul wrongly, and they're right. But what Paul tries to tell them is that, hey, in the midst of me being bashed and false teachers coming into the church as well as people outside the church, in the midst of all of this, I'm good. Paul is in Rome. He's awaiting trial. He's not even near Philippi. But he's saying, in spite of all of this, I'm still good. I'm fine. Because God is still doing something significant in my life. Don't focus on me. Focus on him. And so I'm hoping this passage of Scripture will really encourage you. So we're going to read along with me. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. He says, this is what Paul writes to the church in Philippi. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, you ever feel like Paul could just preach the house down? I know they said he wasn't a good communicator, but when you write like that, you feel like the choir is gone. I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, you know, and like the choir is gone. When I read Paul's writings, I just want to preach what he writes, the way he's written it. Because you can see the depth, you know. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. Wait, wait, wait. You're in prison. You chose to be chained, and you're telling me that it's helping you? It's helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. It's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know that I have been appointed to defend the good news. Those others, they don't have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my chains more painful to me. But that doesn't matter. Everybody say, it doesn't matter. Whether motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice. It's saying, a hater's going to hate. How many of y'all got haters? You know what's so funny? first service I said that. Nobody raised their hand. And everybody's like, mm-hmm. In this service, some people are like, oh, yeah, baby. You got the hate, haters. <laughs> some of y'all need to get that bitterness out of your heart before God can work through you, man. No. But we all got the haters. And what he's saying is it doesn't matter if you hate me or if you love me because my life, in the midst of trial, circumstance, joy, hope, hopeless, the gospel is still going to be preached. God doesn't need me to be on cue. He just needs me to look to him, and my life will ooze the presence of God. People's lives will be changed because of what I choose to live. And he says, so the message, and their motives, false or genuine, their message about Christ is being preached. Verse 19, I know that as you pray for me and the spirit of Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. He's saying, thank you for your prayers. It's going to lead to deliverance, but God's using me here. And then he goes on. And he says, I fully expect, he's saying, I have the faith that's going to move a mountain. And I expect and hope I'll never be ashamed. But I'll continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or whether I die. How many of y'all have ever been in unfamiliar territory? A place that's just really, 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 really uncomfortable. Maybe a place you put yourself in. We moved to Virginia Beach a little over five years ago, and I remember the day we moved. We actually have some of the people that helped us move in in this very service. But they were the only people we knew in the entire Tidewater region. We didn't know anybody else. And so you get to this place, 
where we moved here five years ago, and we begin to think, how in the world are we going to do this? I remember the day after we moved, that Sunday, it was a, church, it was a, it was a Sunday, and we, we get there, and I'm sitting in Walmart, and I'm thinking, what have I done? I had my two kids that had moved with us, and now we have four. That just shows you a little bit what church planning does to you. Everybody says, you love your kids? I say, I love my wife, baby. Come on. I was standing in Walmart, and I had this anxiety attack. And I never really knew what anxiety attacks were. And I didn't fall over anything, but I had this, I had this moment where I got uh, super hot. I started sweating. My face turns red. And I'm thinking, what is happening? Man, I'm having a nervous breakdown in the middle of Walmart. Nobody said anything. I didn't say anything. Just stood there, went about, got my shopping done. And I started to have these panic attacks all the way up to leading this church launch. And I remember we were in Hagerstown, Maryland at Lifehouse where I was uh, preaching a couple of messages before I launched the church. And it was a Saturday night service. And I was on the stage, and as I was in the middle of my message, I felt this panic come on me like I was having a panic attack. I remember I got to the edge of the stage, and for about uh, two seconds, I felt this voice saying, run to the door now, and this will all be over. Just get out of here. And I'm thinking, that's a great idea. Let's be done with this. But I think you need to to realize a concept. The Bible says Satan, Satan comes to steal and then kill and destroy. Now, the thing I want you to understand is, how do you destroy something that's already dead? Well, that shows the depth of hate. It shows that he doesn't take your birthday off. It doesn't matter. There's no free days. I mean, they've been through it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, he just came through cancer. He lost his wife. Uh, he, his grandkids don't like him. I'm going to take the day off. He needs a breather. No, he's thinking, no, this is when I can really finish him off. And then once you're dead, he destroys you. So he wants to wipe your memory off the face of the earth and everything associated with you. He's in it to win it. You see what I'm saying? And so I knew in that moment, if I ran off that stage, I would never enter another one and preach the gospel. And I was sitting there, and the Lord spoke to me. He says, just press through. Just preach the gospel. And my wife would tell me later that she was watching me preach. She said, nobody would have known, but in that moment, the Lord said, pray for him right now. I started having these panic that I've never had. We launched the church, and the giftedness, my amazing giftedness as a communicator and a man of God, we grew from 159 to 75. Isn't that incredible? I mean, you and you backwards grow, they, you're gifted. I'm straight, I was straight eliminating folks weekly. I told Casey, I said, I said, hey, this was September. I told her in October, I said, by December, we should be free and clear. We won't have anybody left. I said, they keep leaving like this. We're good. Give us two more months. She said, that ain't going to happen. I said, I want it to happen. I want to be done. I am stressed out. I'm anxious. I started getting sick. I had all these things happening in my life. But there was a, there's a concept that I, I hope is encouraging to you. And today's message is titled, Free at Last. Because I think for some of you, there's a freedom that God wants to bring into your life. And it's not going to require a fasting and prayer and on your knees and say, God, do it. That's like us saying, God, help me to look good. Well, work out, eat some greens, and put the french fries to the side. Spiritual work is the same way. Sometimes it's just about listening to the word of listening to God when he speaks and, and getting into his word and praying. You don't have to be on a 40-day fast every day to figure out what God's trying to speak. Sometimes it's like, just lean into me. The Bible says obedience is greater than sacrifice. He's not asking for everything you've got. He'd rather have your heart. I tell our church all the time, God doesn't want your money, and they say he wants your heart. And I'm not about taking offering. I'm just saying that there's this concept where God's not looking for your stuff. He knows if he has your heart, he's got it all. That's all he wants. But there's this thing that without discomfort in your life, y'all hearing me, without discomfort, you will stay in the same place. The ceiling that you have right now is the floor to the next season of your life. And if you don't do something to get through that ceiling, I have counseled 70-year-old men who are stuck in the same place with their spouse for 40 years. I have talked to people that have been stuck in the same room, and it feels like the ceiling's getting lower, but it's not. They're just not willing to step over it for the new floor to the next season. 
It's work. It's hard work. But without discomfort in your life, you're never going to grow into what God has. And some of you would rather be uncomfortable than to be comfortable. And you're only saying that because you don't want to face the hard things. You say, well, with God, you're never comfortable. Don't, they, yeah, yeah, you are. I'm comfortable. I love them. I'm at peace. Life is still hard. Ask an alcoholic how hard life is. Ask a drug addict how hard life is. Ask somebody who's running around their wife how hard life is. Don't tell me Christianity is hard. This is peace. Come on, somebody. So in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, what Paul is saying is this. He says, I want you to know that everything that has happened has helped me spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guards, knows that I'm in chains because of God. Wait, wait, wait. So you're saying that in the midst of my darkness, it's actually helping people? It's actually helping people get closer to God? It's actually helping people draw in? Well, let me tell you why. Because our prison does what circumstances outside of it could never do. Our prison will do things in our life that nothing outside of it can actually do. And this is what I was learning when I started our church in 2014. I had strep throat on and off for months. I had the flu. I was miserable. I was in the doctors all the time. I could not get healthy. No matter what I did, my body was breaking down. My immune system was all but shot. I didn't know what in the world to do. And so in February of 2015, I went to a counselor, and I thought, if I don't go, I am going to quit or I am going to take my life. I was overwhelmed. I was stressed out. And I had never faced anything like it, and I knew it wasn't the weight of a ministry that was on my door, but it was the weight of my life. And I remember going to this counselor, and as a Christian counselor, I went a couple of times, and on the third time, he looked at me, and he says, you don't trust that the world is a safe place. And it spoke something to me, because it started to show me that the anxiety that I had felt, I remember growing up missing football camps because of this anxiety. I remember missing fun events because of this anxiety. I remember being stressed out because of this anxiety. And then I went back to counseling in 2016 after I sifted through some stuff. The anxiety, life didn't change, but things were starting to get better. 2016, I went back to counseling, and they made it very clear some relationships in my life that had to be severed for my healing to take place. You see, when I was growing up, I had been sexually abused multiple times. I grew up in the home of a pastor, but my life consisted of physical and emotional abuse, things that you could watch movies about. And I didn't really think I had a story, and so I never told it. Actually, just this past week, I was with a bunch of pastors in New York City, and we were kind of talking, and I started talking, and I was sharing some of my story, and it, it kind of caught me off guard because in the middle of it, they were locked in, staring me down. And you get a bunch of pastors locked in, staring you down, is hard to do. Locked in with my story. And I felt the Lord speak to me. He's like, people need to know who I am. And when you're comfortable sharing what I've done in your life is when people's lives will be changed because of it. 2016, I went back to counseling, and they, they said, you have to get rid of some of these relationships. It took me a full year to step out of some of these relationships. And when I did, what I was told is that you're nothing. This is two years ago. You're nothing. You're a joke. You're never going to be anything. Your church is a joke. Everything you stand for is fake. You're going to have to answer to God for all the garbage that you're doing. You should be ashamed of yourself. You might think, man, I was ready to fight. Nah, I was just kind of fed up. You mean I was pioneering a church in a, a part of the world that I've never been to. I ne Virginia Beach I've been to one time. And that's the encouragement. And so that was the beginning of a, of, see, now I got you. You see how quiet it is in here? <laughs> y'all are ready. Listen, this, I hope this changes y'all's life. 
The reason I'm saying that is because I want you to know, like, the Lord is speaking right now. And I want you to leave here feeling better than when you walked in. And so I stepped away from that. Well, about a year later, I had an opportunity from a pastor that I grew up under. He took 100 pastors to Israel, and it was five-star accommodations. He said, all you got to do is get to New York. I said, man, I will walk to New York. I remember when I got on that plane to go to Israel, every 6 to 12 minutes for 12 hours straight, I was having panic attacks, just keeping it to myself. And I felt the Lord say, just get here. Just get here. And looking back, it wasn't about where I was going. It was like, just trust me. Just you're halfway over, you're halfway over this ocean, bro. It's six hours back. Just trust me. And I was sitting there, and I remember having these, and I finally got to Israel, and we were visiting the Garden of Gethsemane this particular day, and we walked in the garden, and I started, they gave us time to kind of go to ourselves and worship, and I was staying in the garden, and the Lord spoke something to me that was profound in a way that, not like he'd never said it, but it was profound in the way that I received it. I was staying there, and I was looking towards Jerusalem, and the Lord just said, I love you. As, as, as audible as I've ever heard a voice, I said, okay, appreciate that. What you got? Give me some prophetic. Give me something deep that's going to change the world. And he says, when this is enough is when it will change you. And I felt this all-encompassing love and protection like never before in my life. I felt this thing break in me. So a couple of months after that, my wife and I decided to go back to counseling again. And we went back to counseling. I was sitting in this counselor's office. And in passing... She said, this was last year, she said, yeah, because of your childhood PTSD. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. What did you say? She said, yeah, your childhood PTSD. I said, whoa, 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 you, you, never, you never told me that. She goes, how did you not know it? You've been to counseling for years. Nobody's ever said anything. I'm not a counselor. No, nobody's ever told me that. And she said, oh, it's all over you. That's, it's, it's so clear that this is what you've been walking through your whole life. You know what that moment did for me? It released something. It's the first time in my life I felt like I had permission to feel the way that I had felt. You see, my whole life I was told you're making it up, you're emotional, you're a fake, you're trying to get attention, it's all about you. And in that moment I was like, no, it ain't. This is about the king of all kings. This is about the Lord of all lords. This is about something bigger than me. It's not about me. It's that I was, I, I was sick and tired of being bruised, battered, whipped with the tongue, sexually molested. No, this wasn't about me making a big deal out of nothing. This is about a boy that was trying to be assassinated as a child, and I'm not going to stand for it because I serve a God that's undefeated. And I remember sitting in that office, she looks at me, and she she says, why are you here? You ain't really supposed to ask me a question like that. You're the counselor. She goes, no, no, like you, you grew up in a pastor's home. Why are you sitting here? How? She said, how are you here? You shouldn't be here. I said, well, funny you should ask. I said, the only thing in my life that's ever changed anything is Jesus. And I said, and I told him that I would spend the rest of my life telling people about him. She goes, it's unreal that you're sitting here. And I started to experience the scripture in Philippians that, that Paul was talking about. It's, it's unreal that you should be sitting here. In Philippians in chapter 14, it says, because of my imprisonment, because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence boldly and speak God's message without fear. Because of my imprisonment, because of the thing that's held me back, because of this thing that, 
that, that has tried to hold me away from what God has. It, is, it has done something different in me. And today, I want, you, I want to encourage you. You might feel like you're held down by anxiety. You may feel like you're held down by depression. You may feel like you're held down by suicidal thoughts. You may feel like you're held down by a drug addiction. You may feel like you're held down by a pornography addiction. You may feel like you're held down by being retired and not feeling like you matter to the world. You may feel like you're being held down today because of a diagnosis in a medical office. You may feel like you're being held down today by thoughts and by haters in your life and family that doesn't want anything to do with you. You may feel like you're being held down today because you want a spouse and nobody has asked you to marry them. You may feel like you're being held down today because you're trying to push into God and you feel like just like your parents, he's pushing you away. But listen to me, what was meant to shut you down has got to fire you up. And that very thing that's tried to shut my life down has fired me up because I can sit with professionals that see people all the time and say, how are you here? And say, because I serve a king of all kings. I serve the Lord of all lords and he is the healer. He's the restorer. He's my hope. He's my reward. He's the biggest of big and the best of the best. He's the king of all glory. He never loses. He's undefeated, something the patriots don't even know about. That's the God that I serve. It has fired me up. Come on, somebody. Come on, switch that thing on the devil's neck, man. Put him in a headlock and switch it on him and say thank you because my God is undefeated and what you meant to destroy me, I'm standing here today saying I'm fired up and the world is going to know his name through my life until the last breath. Say, how are you still here? You got a minute. Because I want people to see the miracle that God did in my life. I want them to see what only God could do. Counseling gave me permission. 2016, I'd come home from a retreat. For a couple of days, I went to Baltimore by myself. It was, a, it was just a prayer retreat. I just didn't know where to go from there. I, said, I told my wife, she said, just get away for a couple of days. And I came home, and we were fighting. We weren't liking each other. We were never going to walk away from each other, but if we ever were, I was feeling it. And you're thinking, man, this is only a couple of years ago. So I'm trying to share it with you. You don't need to be far removed from your pain to have a story. I think we wait way too long to share our story. You know what I did? I shared this story with our church as I was walking through it. Because the Lord spoke to me and he says, don't keep from them what I'm doing in you. Because when you wait to the other side, you're going to lose that element of rawness that they need. And I can't tell you the amount of people that I've had sitting at a, a table. Just a couple weeks ago, I had somebody sitting at a Starbucks, this man's man, this military guy who's a very, very high-level human. Giving his heart to the Lord because he said, I know your story. And if God can do it in you, then I know he can do it in me. Isn't that what it's about? So why are we protecting our ego, man? Why are we protect? I'll tell you why. Because we want to make sure everybody sees an exterior when our interior is jacked up. If we get the spirit of religiosity out of religious people, we would actually have a movement that the world wouldn't be able to deny the move of God. It's the same spirit that killed Jesus. And it's trying to run rampant in your life. Let's take the masks off. I, listen, if you're a pastor and you're in a church and you can't share the vulnerability of your heart, how can we expect the people that we pastor to? I'm not afraid of what people think of me. I can't follow him. He's suicidal. There are a hundred churches on the same road. Pick one. Because there's somebody in that service that's not going to kill themselves today. And that's who I'm going after right now. It's a real thing. And so what I'm saying is as I'm sitting here, in 2016, my wife looks at me, and she's like, hey, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, hey, blah, 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 blah. 
She says, well, blah, 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 blah. And I say, blah, 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 blah. And I'm sitting on the couch, and the Lord said, tell her. Tell her what? He said, tell her. Tell her what you've been thinking. I said, I can't do that. He said, you tell her right now. We were fighting. And we were as close. as like I expected my wife to just say whatever. And we were fighting. And she, she's looking at me, and she's saying something. And I don't even know what she's saying at that point. And the next thing that comes out of my mouth is, I've been thinking about a way to take my life all week. You know, for two years, I spent more of my day thinking about how to take my life than how to reach people who don't know Jesus. And it wasn't that I was planning it. It was that there was a torture going on in my mind with my anxiety. And I used to think if I killed myself, I'd rather spend an eternity in hell than another day on earth like this. That's how twisted my mind had gotten. It was painful. And I was saying about ways to do it that she could still get the money. You're thinking, well, that's illegal. I don't care. I was going to be dead. I'm serious. It wasn't one of those things. I need you guys to see the depth of what I'm trying to communicate to you today. And she looks over at me and I just said, I've been, wait- I've been thinking all week of a way to take my life. And she walks over to me, and I'll never forget this moment, because this is a moment where if I've ever felt the presence of God in a human being, this would be one of those defining moments in my life. She sat down beside me in the midst of wanting to tear my head off, and she put her arms around me and wept with me. Because in that moment, I was saying, I'm not your strong man. I can't fight for this family right now. I can't be what you've called me to be. I can't be that lumberjack out in the backyard providing. I'm broken. I'm hurt. You know what the Lord spoke to me? It's one of your strongest moments you've ever led your home. Because you're real. You're real. This is what Paul is saying. He's saying people around me are critical of me. They're hurtful. They're hateful. They're jealous. But my life, and this is the encouragement I want you to understand, your life, regardless of what you're going through today, regardless of where you're at, God is still using your life to reach people if you know him. You don't have to be open to it. You don't have to want to do it. You don't have to be thinking of ways you want to go out and tell people about Jesus because he is saying, I'm so powerful. I care a lot more about what's going on in you than what I'm going to do through you. And I am doing something significant in your heart. And don't think that I'm just waiting for you to be ready to go preach the gospel. I need you to preach the gospel with your life. You preach the gospel with your tears. You preach the gospel with your counseling. You preach the gospel with the, the way that you pursue me. Come on, somebody. And I know today God is telling you, you have been preaching the gospel. You feel like you're a failure. You feel like you haven't been influential. You feel like you've missed a mark. You feel like financially you're just a disaster. But I'm telling you this, if you know God, you have been preaching the gospel and he is using you in a great way. You keep your head on your shoulders. You keep your shoulders squared up and you say, I will not be moved because I'm fired up because there's a king that said, I will never lose. And there is a king who says, I'm the God of victory. And that's what he's trying to communicate to our life. I want you to be encouraged that just because you're going through the darkest time of your life, it could be the brightest in somebody else's. So I'm sick and tired of laboring for everybody else. I'm tired. God's not asking you to labor for somebody else. He'll do that. He's just saying that he loves you and values you so much, even when you don't want to, he's still using you. Even when you don't want to, he's still got your back. He's still saying, I love you. That's all you need to know. 
you might have a bad health diagnosis, a financial situation, a retirement situation, a, a, a situation with your kids, a situation with your ex, or a situation with your current, or a situation with your boyfriend or girlfriend, or, or a situation with your identity. It doesn't matter. And that's what verse 18 says. It says, but that doesn't matter. Everybody say, it doesn't matter. Now I want you to say it like you mean it. Say, it doesn't matter. Now, for all those you've ever been hurt, you've ever been dismayed, you've ever thought you're not going to be anything, you've had people tell you that, the haters are going to hate. Now, would you say it like you want to say it? Say, it doesn't matter. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't matter whether, what their motives are. It's, a, it's false or genuine. The message is about Christ, and it's being preached either way. So I rejoice. And he says, I know that as you pray for me and the spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance, for I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed. But I'll continue to be bold for Christ as I've been in the past, and I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or whether I die. This is what you need to realize. Either way, no matter what your life looks like, either way, Jesus is being preached. You're being used. Your life is being reformed and transformed and grown and pushed and pulled and, and tethered in a way you can't do it. Either way, Christ is being preached. Stop thinking if I hold up, then God's going to hold up. No, God's not going to hold up. He needs you to hold up so that he can show up in a way that you've never seen him move in your life so that he can overcome those, those things in your heart, those things that you've experienced sexually, those things you've experienced physically, those doubts you have from relationships, that hurt you have from a church or from religion in your life. He's saying, would you hold up and I'm going to do something great in your life and either way, I will be made known because I'm the king of all kings and I never lose, so let me be God. People's lives depend on you. That is the truth. But they don't depend on what you're saying. They depend on what you're living. They don't need you to be at your best. They need you to be at your most vulnerable. The Bible says, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, turn from their ways, I will heal them. What God needs from you, brokenness, humility, coachability, and he'll do in your life what only he can. Our, our broadcast campus in Virginia Beach, we've been in a middle school for five years. It's been a great location. We've had a great relationship with everybody there, and it's been such a wonderful time. But God's moving us legit. It's literally right across the road to a high school starting uh, November 3rd. And we're excited. And yesterday was the first of a couple of setups that we're doing before we get in there in November. And seeing our teams in there and all the people that showed up just to be a part. I was standing in the back as I was watching some of our worship teams just run through sound and kind of get everything tweaked. Our sound teams were there. And I was standing there in the back, and it was the first time in 10 years. I, I had a vision a long time ago for what this church God wanted, but I'm a visionary. So you tell me you like a hamburger. I'm thinking, how do we get that franchise all over the world, you know? You tell me you like a shirt. I'm like, okay, we can make more of these. We can have them printed. Maybe we can put them online. I'm just, I'm a visionary, and I don't mean that to be funny, but I always think of where we're going. I very rarely stop to celebrate where I'm at. I have to be, have help in that. It's great, that's great, 10,000 salvations. Well, there's 500,000 in the city. We need to step up our game, you know? I always tell them, I don't want to stand in front of God with less than 10% of this city. And then I'm thinking, oh, 10% is really low. You've, that's failing grade in everything in life. But my point is this. I was standing there this uh, yesterday, and I was, I was looking out over 
the auditorium and the band and everybody doing their, their thing, kind of getting stuff tweaked. And it was the first time, the first time that I saw some of the vision that God gave me 10 years ago come to fruition. People thought when we added campuses and we're doing all this live feed and all these different things are happening, people are like, oh, I see it. This is amazing. I'm like, yeah, I don't. Because that's just not the way I'm wired. I'm like, yeah, praise God. But yesterday, there was a moment in the presence of God just filled that place as they were singing that I saw it. That's what Satan was trying to steal. My four boys, he's trying to steal a dad. He's going to raise them to be men of God who are in love with their wives, who lead their homes as valiant warriors under the influence of the Holy Spirit, guided by his voice. That's what he was trying to steal. My wife, we've been in love since high school. Legitimately, the only woman I've ever loved. And I can say I've been in love because when I saw her, love was definitely in the air. She'd been with me since I was 16 and she was 15. That's what he tried to steal. A church that's going to hopefully transcend time and space and long after I'm gone is going to still be going. will be just a picture in the fellowship hall. That's what he tried to steal. You think, well, you're a pastor. There's a lot more to it. Don't lie to yourself. Your life is every bit as valuable. Your calling is every bit as heavy. And your worth is just as significant as anyone God has ever created. Don't let him steal it. Take back what's yours. Take it back. This is coming from your, your favorite uncle. But I want you to know I love you so much. I believe in you and I believe in what God's doing in this church and in this city. But before he can do it corporately, he needs to do it privately. And people say, why would you share that in real time with your church? Man, I didn't do this to impress people. I didn't take my family. I'm from D.C. We never came below Richmond. Home of the world down here. Why would I come down here? <laughs> but God had a calling on my life, and it led me to this place. I said, well, I never planted a church so that millions of people would know me. I planted a church so that they would know him. And so if that's the case, then I've got to be real and vulnerable in the way I expect them to be vulnerable. So I need to share with where I'm at right now. And we're starting to see those seeds planted in a military community that people, these men's men who are good men that have had a lot of tough things, they've made a lot of mistakes, and some of them not as much, but they're coming and saying, your story, if, if he can do it in your life, he can do it in mine. Think, Lord, th help me to never stand. Help my reputation to never stand in the way of your influence. And I'm hoping today it can encourage you. But I'm going to give you the how. Because I think you can hear this message and be stirred. But I want to give you the how. Can I do that? Can you all lean in? I want you to really get this piece. Because for me to tell you this without giving you something would be a waste. But you've got to know how it happens. This is how it works. Because in your life, if you're going through anxiety or depression, or fear, or a struggle of any type, if you're down, doesn't matter what it is, we all have the same thing as we're focused on that struggle. It hurts. That relationship is painful. Those people that have pulled away from us are tearing at our spirit. Does this make sense? 
It's an everyday, all-consuming thing. Are we, are we in this together? Come on. And this is how you do it. This isn't profound, but I hope it will be very eye-opening. When your focus is on His good, you won't live for your good. Because what happened to me is I stopped waking up thinking about how I could be a statistic. The thought of suicide was so real for two years, I thought more about how to take my life than how to give people life. And it wasn't because I wanted to, it's because I was so overwhelmed with anxiety and depression. And I wasn't laying in my bed with the, the windows drawn. I was, you would never know it, but my wife knew it. But it wasn't because I didn't want to be a part of this world. It was because Satan was trying to take, take something from me. He was trying to steal and kill and destroy. And so every day I would say, Lord, I'm looking to the heavens because that's where my help is. And that's where you reside. And I'm going to surrender today just like I did yesterday because I can't do it. I'm broken. My heart is broken. My spirit is broken. And God spoke to me, you will not keep this pace if you do it for the church, if you do it for your kids, or you do it for your wife. This has got to be about me and you. This has got to be about a daddy who's never told you he didn't love you. A daddy who never said, I won't be there for you. A daddy that has always been supportive. This is about a daddy who has shown you time and time and time and time again that I am the great I am and that I love you. And that's all you need to know. And every day my focus was on him saying, God, not to me, but to you be the glory. Father, I don't know how I'm going to get through this day. I'm anxious. My heart is heavy. I I'm sick. And I need you. And he just said, baby, just keep going one step, Brandon. I love you. Just one step, Brandon. Just keep going. You got this, bro. One step. I said, God, I don't know if I can do it. The gun is right there. He said, one step. Keep going. One step. One step. And I didn't realize that what had happened to me when I was a kid was trying to murder me as an adult. And God said, I will not be moved. Keep going, Brandon. You got this, baby. Just one step. I said, God, I don't know if I can. I'm hurting. I don't know if I can do this. I don't want to be on the news. I don't want to be the next Instagram post about we need help for pastors. And he said, one more move. Let's go, baby. And I just kept going through the mud. And what I'm realizing now is that so many people have seen the mud. And they say, I, I was that story. But my life is being changed because of your story. And what I'm trying to tell you today, would you please focus on the goodness of your God and not on the hurt in your life? Because he'll use you in spite of the darkness. He'll use you. I know you're locked in right now. And I know there's real pain in this room. But don't let the devil steal what's not his. He's a punk. He's an idiot. He's a, a piece of garbage. That's a good version. He's a liar. And until you start living your life with the intensity of this is real, I'm focused on his good and not my own, you will continue to walk in the same mud that you've lived in for so long. Do you believe God can do it in your life? And if you write this off to say, well, my life's not that hard, things aren't that bad, maybe you need to step into the reality of a situation. Maybe it's something you need to talk to your wife about that happened 20 years ago. Maybe it's an addiction that nobody yet knows about. Maybe it's a pain. Do I say that everybody has these deep, dark secrets? No, but I know all of us carry a heaviness that most of the time remains secluded until it pops. And God is saying, no more. Thank you again for joining us on the LifeHouse Newport News Podcast. 
If you're ever in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love for you to join us at one of our live worship experiences at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Kiln Creek Movie Theaters. Until then, feel free to check us out at www.theaterchurchnn.com or on any social media platform. Thank you so much, and God bless.